All right, guys. Hello and welcome to the Reflecting in Podcast. My name is Brian and I am so excited uh, for today's episode, today's live stream. It's going to be a powerful one. Uh, we have a special guest, Amy Brockdevine. She is uh, from here, my hometown, um, and she is currently in Thailand and she's a missionary there. She's a revivalist there and uh, we're going to have her on. We're going to ask her some questions. She's going to share her testimony and a little bit about her ministry and just the impact impact that uh, her and her team is making on the people of Thailand and the people in Asia. Introducing the one and only Amy Brockdevine. Hello, hello, Amy. Welcome to the stream. How are you? <laughs> hey, thank you, Brian. I am doing so great. Thank you so much for having, uh, having me, having us on. What a gift. For sure. For sure. I am really excited to talk to you uh, tonight. Uh, and actually, tonight here, but where you are at, it's in the morning, right? So where are you in Thailand? Here, here's a little more daylight for you. Yeah, it's definitely, it is, it's 8.08 a.m. here in, uh, I'm in Pattaya, Thailand, uh, about an hour Pat and a half from Bangkok. Pattaya? Yeah, like Pad Thai, Pad Thai, but we say Pattaya. Okay, so it's like a combination of pad thai and papaya. Pad thai. Sure. That's, yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> right, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say patia. It's not patia. <laughs> it, right. it actually comes from a name of Tapraya. It was actually called Tapraya, which means the city that the king's troops rest. But when the foreigners came here in the 50s, uh, the troops came from Vietnam and uh, they couldn't say Tapraya, so they would say Pattaya. And so the name actually changed because of the people that came to visit the city. So we want to oh, return wow. it to the place that the king's troops rest. So. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah. All right. A little history there. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> so, so, Amy, um, again, really excited for the conversation we're going to have tonight. We're going to talk... Um, uh, a bit for the first uh, one third or half um, about your testimony and uh, kind of like your background and and um, what your life was like growing up before Christ and then uh, and then after you you met Christ and and met him as your Lord and Savior and then we're going to segue into uh, talking about your ministry there in Thailand how that got started and how you were just inspired to live a radical life for Jesus and and touching the people of Thailand and Asia. And so let's go ahead and get started with that. So Amy, tell me a little bit about yourself, first of all. Um, like if you were to, if someone to, were to ask you a little bit about yourself, what would you say? And um, and then kind of go into uh, your testimony um, about how uh, your life was like before Christ, um, and then uh, segueing into uh, your life um, after you got saved. Uh, so, tell you about myself. So, this is uh, how I've been wired like my whole life. <laughs> All of us since the foundation of the world, right, have been called uh, uh, and appointed to be His. And there's been a choice that we've had to make. I don't know if any of us woke up one day and just says, Today, I want to be a Christian. <laughs> but somewhere along the road, uh, the Lord never let up on the fact that we were meant to be His children, right? Amen. So, uh, 
my heart's cry is really to see uh, to see people set free, to see nations transformed, uh, but starting with us, starting with us individually. And it's a little bit about my journey, um, so I can kind of segue into that part of the story. Uh, my uh, before I came to Jesus, I was really uh, caught up in a lot of shame and guilt and condemnation and fear and bitterness and anger and uh, coming from a family that didn't know their identity in Christ. Uh, mm. I definitely grew up in America. We heard about Jesus. I went to church, uh, mostly Christmas and Easter, but uh, I had known that there was a God, but I didn't know that he was actually a person. I didn't know that he was personal. I didn't know that he still talked to us. I didn't know that I could encounter him. I just kind of thought maybe he was out there somewhere, you know, maybe controlling the circumstances and situations for my benefit or, you know, for his benefit. I didn't know. I didn't understand the kingdom of God. Hmm. So uh, when I first came to the Lord, so when I actually was in college, uh, my parents actually both uh, suffered from addiction. And I say suffered because they didn't know what they were doing. Like, honestly, when Jesus was on the cross and he says to the people, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. They really don't. Because if we knew how deeply loved and how deeply known we were, right, mm. we would never do that stuff anyway. Like yeah, if we knew on. our identity and we knew uh, how deeply loved we were. And so, but there's triggers that happen when we're children. There's things that happen when we're growing up that uh, kind of lead us in the direction to try to have an unmet need or expectation um, you know, uh, I guess the word is, um, like appeased. <laughs> and so that's what happened with my parents. Both my parents fell in drug and alcohol addiction. And it was really challenging because I didn't have, uh, I didn't really have parents growing up that really understood or asked a lot of questions or really heard me. I didn't feel accepted. I didn't feel known and loved. I felt like I had to perform. Uh, and so that was kind of what happened. I kind of led in the direction of school became my outlet. School became a place where if I walked into school and I did well, then, then I got accolades. I got attention. I got, you know, and so I wanted to do I actually started doing well in school uh, and that really led me into the kind of that place of saying, Hey, okay, I this is an area where I can be known. And so my mom actually, my parents split up when I was really young. My parents split up when I was three. Wow. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, my dad, uh, my dad was still in the picture. I knew he was available. My parents stayed at least in a cordial relationship but uh, my mom actually had a new relationship when I was 10. And then that person who came into my life, an amazing uh, man, uh, didn't know the Lord yet either, but uh, really invested into me and wanted to see me do well in school. And that actually was a really big part of me beginning to see my value is to see that I had worth because I had been abused when I was seven. And for anyone that's on here that uh, like, uh, it's actually pretty typical. Like, unfortunately, one in four women have been abused. And sometimes that number is higher. Uh, uh, it's, it's actually, uh, it's actually part of uh, sometimes our story, but it's not our identity. And so that's mm, what I had to learn. Mm -hmm. That's what I had to learn along in that journey is that I was not what happened to me. I was, uh, I actually was a child of God. I, there is an identity that um, God actually intended for us. And that's the direction that we're moving into. So 
Wow. Yeah. So growing up was kind of like, a, you know, I was one of those kids that just felt like left behind. And so I didn't have, uh, I didn't have all the parts and pieces in order to help uh, kind of overcome, but school. And so that was a, a big beginning of how I started to started to see value. So that's the first part of my journey. Uh, and then that's what led me and that's like the before story. Okay. Mm. <laughs> So there's a lot of parts and pieces, but just to kind of to kind of then transition in. So you're right. asking me then what happened when I actually encountered Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, bef- before we go into that, um, explain in between how did you uh, meet the Lord and and how uh, in what way and and how did you move on from there? Mm. So it's actually a really cool part of my story. And I, and I think whenever we encounter Christ, we don't realize that we've been chosen. And, and that's what happened. Like in this journey, uh, what happened is I went to college. I went to the University of Washington. I'm from, from the Tri-Cities area. That's where I grew up. Uh, originally born in Spokane, which is also where John G. Lake and the revival ministry really what happened there. Hmm. Uh, but Spokane, uh, uh, Spokane was just my where I grew, where I was born, and then I grew up in the Tri Cities. So I didn't really know Jesus existed. Again, I I didn't understand an intimate relationship with the Lord or understand the kingdom of God. So when I went to university, I was just going to go to school. Well, while I was there, uh, I had to pay for college, and that was a challenge. So I actually had uh, an a, an opportunity to get a stipend, twenty five dollars a month, from a study that was being done at the university. And the study was to trying to find out these sexually transmitted uh, viruses and diseases and actually to find a, uh, find a cure. And I, I didn't know all the ins and outs, but I knew that $25 a month. Now this was, that was a lot of money. This is like 15 years ago. So more, no, more than that. I was in college in the, in the mid nineties. Sorry, everybody. It's been a while. <laughs> We're on a time difference here. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it was in the nineties. So uh, that was a lot of money. So I was like taking these studies and doing these tests. Well, in the study, we found out that I had this virus that doesn't have a cure. Uh, it was HPV the human papillomavirus and uh, studies have been done, you know, that this is, it's incurable. There was no vaccine back then. So literally I was a test case to try to find this cure. Well, when I found out that that virus can actually cause cancer in the uterus, the big C word came up. And as a 19 year old college student, like, like at that point too, 20 years ago, you're, Mm. you're in a place of shock. And so that's really what happened. I didn't know what to do. I, I was alone. I didn't want to tell anybody. Uh, I asked the doctor, you know, where does this come from? And they said from promiscuity. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's totally possible. Because because I had been abused as a child, uh, then I sought identity in relationships. And so I did. My lifestyle was not clean. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know where it could have come from. And so the the, the the challenge to the story and then how we know that the Lord works, I went on this huge search. Ooh, and I can feel it when I'm telling a story. Ooh. I said to the Lord or whoever, I said, uh, if you are God, if there is a God, which I didn't even know if there was a God at that point to find out you could die at 19 years old or within that time frame. Uh, and that if you, if there is a God, he, he isn't good. And if he is good, he's not good to me. And so what did I do to deserve this 
you know, prognosis or this death sentence, basically. And so that really began this search in my journey uh, to find out if God was really real. Because because I was such an advocate for righteousness, and now I know what that means, that's actually also built within us. But I was like, this is not right. Because, because I had tried to do everything right. So I knew that there was a part of my story that um, I was, this was not, this was not fair. And so uh, I began this journey and I began this journey to say, if God is real, uh, you know, I really, God isn't real. That's really what I said. And I said, I'm going to prove him wrong. And I said, all these Christians, they're crazy. And so basically that's what I was going to do. I was going to show that God was not uh, who he said he was. Now, I, I know that sounds crazy now as an adult and as a as a as an adamant follower of the uncreated creator of the universe. But back then I was like, you know what? He's just a made up image in people's mind. And and I'm and I knew that there was something about us or me. I know now it's created in people, but that we are we want to prove truth, right? Like truth is about how we're made and how we're wired. And so that's really what put me on that journey. Mm. I began to search wow. for truth. Mm -hmm. And it and it came out of every pore of my body. Everywhere I went, I was trying to find out uh, who this God was and if he was real. And and so it put me on a journey in front of somebody at my university campus. And it said uh, commuter life. And it was a banner. And it was and it was a young man and uh, young men at that point were kind of like what what wooed me. And so I was like, who's this and what's he looking at? So I went to go talk to him. Later, I found out he was a part of this organization, which is Campus Crusade for Christ. <laughs> good, uh, good way of the Lord to kind of lure me in in a good way. But uh, I began to like just ask questions like what's commuter life? And they said, well, do you commute? And I did. I commuted like five minutes to campus because I live just off the university campus. And I said, well, you should come check us out. And again, I was on a journey to find out. And I said, well, what do you guys do there? And they said, well, we're reading, basically, we're reading the Bible. We're reading the word of God. And I thought, well, that'd be a good place to start, right? That's a good mm -hmm. place to start if this God is really real. So uh, the the other man, uh, Jeff was the man that was at the booth. And then uh, Jeff Tomlinson. And then another man uh, was there, a man named Daniel. And uh, he's the one who began to just talk to me. I was wearing my letterman's jacket. I was an athlete at my university. I rode on the crew team. And so again, accolades were about what I did. I felt like what I did gave me identity. And so I was on the crew team because it was hard and difficult and not everybody could do it. Uh, and he really recognized that, hey, there's something uh, to talk about. So he asked me about my sport. And so that really began this like, you know, this commonality between me and this man named Daniel. And so that started this journey. So the, the reason I tell that part of the story is it's really significant how the Lord was opening doors. I mean, obviously I was on this journey because I was angry, but he also in his loving kindness began to open doors so I could encounter him and meet him. And it was really special. So I started to go to that group. Uh, it, it was called Commuter Life. They're reading the book of John. And every time I'd read the book of John, every time I'd come to Bible study, something would get ignited in me. I felt like the book was talking to me, if, mm. as we know, that the word is written on our hearts. So it was resonating with things that were already inside of me, but I didn't know what was happening. And there, there was this verse every single week when I would come to this Bible study at my university. And it said, uh, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed mm. by the renewing of your mind. Such a good verse. Yeah. And then you can test and approve the will of God, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And that that 
verse was on the table and it was advertising this event over New Year's. And but the verse just kept speaking to me. And that's how I was. I didn't want to conform to the patterns of this world. In my own mind, I was a rebel. Like, you know, we know Jesus was the biggest rebel. And in my mind, I was trying to do everything against the culture. And I wanted to do things that were different. My, my mom never got a chance to go to university. I felt like that's what was my journey was. Yes, Anna. Amen. <laughs> I wanted to uh, see the kingdom uh and I didn't know it was the kingdom, but I wanted to see uh, what was not going well in the world to be transformed. And so I was going to do it my way. Again, I didn't know that I needed to involve God. I thought people could do it. And uh, he does use people, but without his anointing, without his authority, uh, it, it just looks like a person. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like the kingdom. Right. So hmm. I. Uh, yeah. So, again, in that journey, that was, uh, again, me wanting to do the right thing. But uh, but something about that verse kept coming up and they, they kept inviting me. And I thought, that's the last place I want to be on New Year's. It was during New Year's. I was like with a bunch of Christians because in my world, uh, you know, we were partiers and we did all these things to try to to try to fill ourselves and and to try to find identity within um, the sports culture and, and just university campus life. Um, but God. Right. Mm. But God. Uh, we know that the fulfillment of everything within us is in him. It's not in a substance unless it's his, his, his essence. And so I ended up going, praise God. <laughs> and the Lord used another handsome young man on the trip to kind of uh, like to be a leader. And he was kind of telling me some of the meetings to go to. And I really trusted him. And uh, one of the meetings I went to, they showed a film called The Jesus Film. And when we saw the Jesus film, it wrecked me. It wrecked me because I had never seen the story of the beginning of his life until when he was crucified. And then and then I didn't I didn't know or understand Jesus. Because again, I went to I went to church growing up. Like I heard about the resurrection and I heard about Jesus, you know, being born, but I never, I never knew about the story of his life and how he was coming against um, a religious culture to try to bring the kingdom. He wasn't a Christian. Jesus was the Christ. He was the manifestation of the glory of God. Like he actually came to earth so we would encounter him. Like I'm a Jesus follower, like small Christ, small, you know, uh, you know, the follower of Christ. But I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a part of a religion. I'm a part of a, a person who was meant to be redeemed uh, to our original identity, which is how we we're all created. And so that's what all of us really want. Right. All of us right. really want don't want religion. We don't want this doctrine to follow. We want to follow a person. And that's the one who created us. That's our father, right? So uh, when I when I met that Jesus through that film, uh, they asked us to go sit aside and um, they asked us to go sit down and just kind of talk to the Lord. And so I went outside uh, and just think about it. It's probably what they said. They probably say talk to the Lord because I probably didn't know what that was. Uh, but this is the, the hinge of my story. And this man came out, his name was Chris, and he asked me three questions. He said, uh, do you believe that Jesus was who he said he was? And at that point, like, because I'd heard the whole story, I'd seen it. I, I had, you know, I had been studying the Bible. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And so the truth journey that I was on, I had actually found it. And because all of a sudden it sunk from my head into my heart that this was true. Now mm. I had to do something about it. So, mm. so Chris in his wisdom asked me a second question. He said, do you believe he is who he, do you believe Jesus? Well, he said it was, I said, yes. He said, do you believe he died for the sins of man? And I said, 
I said, I was thinking, why else did he die? When I saw the when I saw the Passion of the Christ, I remember I went with a pre-believer when I went to see the Passion, and I asked him that same question: Do you believe uh, that he died for the sins of man? And and he said the same thing. I said, well, why else would he die? Hmm. Like, like he didn't do anything wrong. Like this guy was the guy that actually was helping people and saving people and setting people free. Like, why else yeah. would he give up his life? You know. Right. So. Uh, and then Chris asked a really important question. And this is one I couldn't answer. He said, do you believe he died for you? And so at that point, because of all the shame and all the guilt and all the condemnation, all the things that have been coming against because of what I've done and what had been done to me, I couldn't answer the question. But shame throws out shame, right? So then I began to just, instead of telling him kind of what was going through my head and not thinking I was worthy, I said things like, well, because I felt so much shame. I said, well, if God's so good, I asked him questions like, how come there's so much suffering in the world? And if God's so good, how come children are dying of you know hunger? And if God's so good, how come there's abuse happening all over the world? Like, what? It, why isn't God doing anything about these children? And and the wisdom of, of, of the Lord fell upon this man. And he said, he said, Amy, those are incredible questions. Those are great questions. And this mm -hmm. is it. He said, and God wants to answer those for you. And he will. But I have to challenge you to invite him in so you can hear his voice. Wow. I can feel it. It's all just a story. Yeah. Like that was it. Like that was that's the question. If we don't start the, if we don't sit, he's already come to us. He's saying, just open up your heart. And I want to rush in. And at that point, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to make that decision. I wasn't, I didn't know what it looked like. Uh, I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit never lets up, right? He continues to knock. There's a scripture in Revelation, Amen. right? That says he's knocking, but the handle's on the inside. Like we have to open the door and then he would dine with us and us with him. But but in 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 the in the wisdom of the spirit, this guy Chris did not push me. I, I continued um, on my journey. There was, I was hungry, and so when I went back to my university campus in February, that's actually when that's actually when I encountered the Lord. Uh, is in that season, like I had already met him, and then by February, the Lord. Uh, I somebody asked me a question. We were at, at our Bible study, and I said, um, "I want to know." Uh, I, I think Jesus died for me. And I, I was just wrestling with this question inter like it was like it was like inside of me. And so I said to one of the leaders, I said to Daniel at this event, at this Bible study, I said, Daniel, I think Jesus died for me. Most people had left. It's kind of at the end of the Bible study. I said, what do I do? And he said, uh, he said, just he says, you need to repent. And I said, out loud. Because <laughs> that was the last thing I wanted to do is say all my all my sin and all the things out loud that have had been, uh, you know, I've been holding in. And so right, that part right. of it is really beautiful. And so I tell that part of the story because then what happened as I gave my life, I said everything really quiet. Um, the presence of the Lord came upon me because I made him Lord of my life. And then when I made him Lord, about a month later, uh, I went into that doctor's office and the doctor, uh, I had I had been positive this HPV and I'd been going every month and she asked me what I had done differently. And I had received the Lord. I told her I wasn't doing, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't, I didn't have those relationships anymore. And she said, uh, where I was, you know, being promiscuous. And she said, uh, she goes, Amy, and she threw down the exam results. She had done two tests and she said, you're healed and we don't know why. Come on, come on, praise God. <laughs> come on. That's our Praise God. God. Because oh, when God. I repented of my sin, I repented for things that were done to me, but also the things that I had done. 
right? Mm. So I was forgiving all the people that had hurt me, which is what I had done in that journey. And then I was asking forgiveness for what I had done. And he, wow. even the things that we don't remember, he he forgives us of, right? And that's how, that's how the beauty of this journey started. And so now fast forward, uh, I mean, 10 years later, this was back when I was in college. Um, I had gone to a bunch of Bible studies and, and really was hungry for the Lord, um, was pursuing. I was with a company that I'd been with for a really long time. I kept going and, and sharing the gospel. There's people in that company that were believers. And I started to see that the world actually was uh, was on fire for Christ, but I hadn't seen it until my eyes were open. It's like, you know, it's mm. like it's like a scale. It's like scales have fallen. And I'm like, I could see Jesus everywhere. But I was like telling him to everyone. I was like, did you guys know that Jesus died for us? And he died so we were redeemed to the Father. So we'd have our identity and we would actually get to walk as children of God on earth as he is in heaven. Like we get to bring king the, the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And people go like, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. And I'm like, what? Like, no, if you knew that, you'd be like telling everybody. <laughs> and so I couldn't find anybody like me, Brian. Like I could not find anybody that was on fire. Like I remember I went from a radical, hated Jesus, like kind of a Paul encounter to all of a sudden this radical encounter with Christ. And I, and I couldn't find anyone really that was as passionate. I tried, mm. I was going to different Bible studies. A woman tried to do follow-up with me, but didn't really get me. And I, and I understand now when you have an apostolic calling, when you have, when you've had a radical encounter, we, God has, uh, God has a mandate on our life. And when we're living that gift redemptively, it actually inspires other people around me. And what I know now is people don't have to be like me but they have to do what they've been called to do because when mm. they're living that out, even when it's hard, right? Right. Even when it's hard, right? <laughs> like, even if you don't know what you're doing, right? Yeah, you absolutely. Your assignment just because you're not good at it yet. Like it, that's not yeah. our job. Our job is that we don't get permission to change it. We just have to start doing the things that are necessary in order to pursue what he's already spoken. Because as we reach for that thing, like we just get ignited. It just begins to Come stir on. us. Right. So that's so good. Isn't it, isn't usually how, um, you know, if you're radical on one side, you're going to be radical on the other. Right. And so it's, it's what's keeping us from is actually our very destiny. So you have to exactly. remember my mom was addicted. My dad was addicted. My grandma was addicted. Like there was an addiction running through my whole family and we're meant to be addicted to Jesus. And so if the enemy's torn them in that direction, if I do a 180 and I go the exact opposite, I'm actually running for the very thing that I was meant for. And right. so I know that the calling on my family line, actually on the on our family line, was actually pulling my family in such a radical wrong direction that I get to live out the destiny. Whew. I get to live out the destiny that they actually were not able to fulfill because we have so great a crowd of witnesses. And before my mom died, my mom met Jesus. And before my dad died, my dad met Jesus. But I had been praying for 18 years for my family to wow. leave addiction, to, to get radically set free. And my mom did, and my dad right before he passed away. Like I have Come never... On let go of the fact that he is a keeper of his promises. Wow. He says a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, but he is not slow in keeping his promises. He wants all to come to repentance, but all things work together for good. So if it's not good, it's not the end because they work together in the end for good. And so my parents, like their journey was so beautiful. And I'm so proud to talk about my mom and dad because they're Jesus followers. They're radical in, in, in trying to find their own, their own way of peace, but they were just getting high. You can't get peace that way. You just get high. You just get, and there's no high like the most high. <laughs> and so again, my family line, like I get to redeem my whole family line because of Christ. And that's what he wow. did. 
Jesus wow. was a redeemer and he lives inside of us. So we forget that we are personally, we are mustard seeds in our family line. Like we, we, if, if one is changed, many can, you know, um, and huh. it, it, it comes by the, the discipline and the obedience that you uh, put in your faith and and towards following Christ that that was able to happen. If it wasn't for for you, who knows? You know, yes, there is always you know the the idea that God could have done a work in your family without you, but He chose you to be the catalyst in your family. And He chose my yes. You know what I mean? Yes, it's just amen. a yes. It's just a yes because He did all the work. He really did yep. all the work. Like all of it. <laughs> I just had to say yes. And it's that simple, right? Like, I think we try to overcomplicate the gospel and make it so hard to come into the kingdom. And he's just like, are you just going to say yes? Like, just say yes. I don't know how to do this, but yes. I don't, I don't know what this is going to look like, but yes. Like you and his yeses are yes and amen. Right. So when he's, yeah. he's actually been the example of what it's meant to look like. I, I'm getting that scripture in, in uh, Romans. It says, um, Romans chapter five. And it says, uh, um, Oh my gosh, it's it's on the tip of my tongue. It's five one. Gosh, my Bible. I'll pull it up right here. Oh yeah, I got a Bible right here. I got a Bible on my phone. Romans five one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into His grace, in which we now stand. Amen. 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 We have access by faith. We have access. We have access by faith. That's by amazing. Faith. We can made right with God by faith. Oh my gosh, that's just such an incredible and it's such an incredible verse. Um, and He wants us to be like Him, right? That's the other verse I was thinking of. Come on. And uh, Come on. I can't. I can't wait to to continue this journey and and to share more. So, um, yeah. So that was the beginning of the story. Um, God just, uh, I think I'm supposed to transition just to kind of what I'm doing here. I know that. Yeah. So, um, so, wow. So, you know, you, you were able to lead your parents to Christ and that's just, that's just amazing. Well, he led um, You want to hear that part of this? (laughs) What was that? Quick version of that story. Do you want me to tell that quick version of that story? Sure. Go ahead. So, okay, the quick version is my mom was going to uh, an organization called uh, AA. And in AA, I had been actually the year before I'd been praying because I, the Holy Spirit says your your prayers are selfish because they were. They were like, I want her to change for me. And so I started praying for a woman to come into her life and for her to get radically touched by the Lord. And she met that woman a year later in AA. And the woman said to her, you've given up. And my mom said, yes. And Mm -hmm. And she said, the Lord hasn't given up on you. And that woman, when my mom told me the story about nine months later, it was this, I remember when I prayed for this woman the year previously, like it was the same qualities, the same characteristics, like this woman that was just, you know, forward going and rough around the edges, but just really loved the kingdom and and loved Jesus. And and then when my mom told me about this woman, that's exactly what she was like. And so my mom actually met the Lord outside of me. Does that make sense? The Holy Mm. Spirit was doing work. And so I share that because I think sometimes we think it has to come through us and it just has to come through our prayer. And our prayer is like, God, I'm giving this up to you because you're a keeper of your promises. Um, and the scripture I was looking for is Ephesians 5.1, by the way. Go ahead. Oh, well, Ephesians 5.1 and Romans 5.1. Yeah, <laughs> the Romans 5.1 was great too. I mean, they all yeah. lead to Jesus, right? 
but it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's Mm. what his whole goal was, is that we would be imitators of Christ, to walk in love as Christ loved us and to give himself as a fragrant sacrificial offering to God. That's us. Like we're meant to be the we're meant to be sacrificed. And and when we surrender, fire falls on sacrifice. Right. Sorry. Um, There's um, really a a. A. um, There's really a heart right now to then see. you know, us give our lives in that way. And this is the time and season. So I, uh, I'll transition. Do you want me to transition into that? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. And, um, is transitioning into the time that you went to Thailand or that here? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Just so we can kind of, I just, for time's sake, I know that, uh, you have a kind of a try to keep this. Absolutely. But Hey, Holy spirit leads. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So, uh, so, uh, so in light of that journey, I felt a big, mm, I felt a really big push to stay what I was doing in my career job at the time. And then, uh, as I kept in that journey, uh, again, I didn't meet people that were really crazy like me. I couldn't really find those radical Christians. So I actually become an accidental Pharisee. And I say that because I just started to become accidentally religious. I started living, trying to find people in the church. Um, and I started to follow the church instead of follow Christ. And so there was no, not that there wasn't fruit. There was definitely fruit, but I would read the Bible and I'd fall asleep. Like, again, this is later on down the line. But so I, I fast forward because about 10 years later, I found myself in a position where I had started to compromise again. And I'm sharing this story because some of us have been in that journey. Some of us had known the Lord. We fell in love with him in the beginning. And then something happened where we're not walking that walk anymore. And we want to be back there again, but we don't know how to fix it. And I think that's what happened. I fell in love with Jesus. I married him. And then I had a promiscuous relationship. It feels like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't walk away from Christ, but I was filling my life still with other things. And then the Lord, but God, right? So God got a hold of me through a man of God, actually down in Texas, a guy named Taylor Guest. He was a part of my company that I was working with. And he began to just challenge me in my walk with the Lord and he came up and met us. He was doing some training with us while I was in Canada at the time. And he said, he said, Amy, you're a Christian. And I was like, yeah, he goes, yeah, that's why we're friends. Like, that's why we knew each other. He goes, you sure don't act like one. <laughs> and sure. in the journey, I mean, that might sound rough, but sometimes we need people like that. The people that just call out our stuff and just Absolutely. say, hey, Absolutely. <laughs> there's something about your life that you're not living. You're not living in the confidence. He goes, you're the son and daughter of a king like the king of kings. You need to know that. And so he began to really disciple me in areas where I did not know identity and I didn't know whose I was. And he uh, he was only here for a short season because I was in Canada. And so he went home uh, to Texas, but he got me connected to a church in my town, uh, Coastal Victory Church, incredible church. And they had this class that was called Alpha. And in this class, you get to ask all these kind of questions like, who's Jesus? You know, where did he... Where did he like, you know, why did he die? Who's the Holy Spirit? And they were all incredible questions that I could not answer <laughs> at that point. In my, I mean, some I could, but what was beautiful about this group is that nobody was the leader. I mean, there was a facilitator in the group and it wasn't me. I came as a, as a learner 
And uh, this person from my church had really encouraged us. But there was this time where they sat in a circle and they would ask questions. And this woman who uh, professed to be Jewish, but she did not believe in, she believed Yahweh was quiet or Yahweh wasn't a part of their lives anymore. And so she would ask all these questions about God. But then I could tell that she was actually asking questions that I had uh, about, because I had let my philosophy replace truth. And that's the things that I saw even in my, in my job. And so she uh, really began to open up some questions in me. And so I was on the edge of my seat when she would ask questions, but I was the Christian, so I didn't ask them, but I got to listen. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was beautiful is the Lord began to answer my questions in this group. And it was beautiful because you could see, and now I know it was the Holy Spirit was really working through people in that group to really begin to uh, inspire uh, the Spirit of God to answer the questions. And so that's what happened. It was beautiful. Uh, there was a there was a week where they would go away for the weekend to un to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I couldn't go. But people came back different and transformed. And so I caught I caught that anointing, if if that makes sense to you. I caught the anointing, the Spirit that they had encountered, even though I didn't go away on the weekend because I had to work. And so at church, uh, I was just, everything began to overwhelm me. And so this is the part of the story I, I feel like is really important. I was sitting through church service uh, at Coastal and from the pulpit, the pastor's wife was preaching and she was preaching out of Luke chapter five. And she, uh, Luke chapter five is when Jesus, uh, Peter, John and James were fishing and they were fishing. They've been fishing all night. And then Jesus comes along and says, you know, throw your nets on the other side. And right. Peter is like, hey, I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm a kind of like, I'm a professional fisherman, you know, he's like, he's like, but this is a rabbi. We, he didn't know he's the Messiah at this point, but he knew he was a rabbi. So he honored the rabbi and threw his nets on the other side. Well, when he threw them in, his nets were so, they were so full, they were breaking. And now the boat's not very wide. So we knew that was a miracle. Peter gets on his knees and says, away from me, I'm a sinful man. Right. And that journey really sparked um, me understanding like, oh my gosh, I had become, you know, Peter spoke to me volumes at that point. And so from the pulpit and, and, and Peter and Jesus says to Peter, come and I'll make you fishers of men. Right. So that was really this inspiration for all of a sudden now, like, I want to become fishers of men. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what does it even look like? And so because she was sharing it from the pulpit, she said, she asked this question of us. She said, um, how many of you, um, uh, if Jesus called you, would you come? Hmm. And I was like, sure. I, in my spirit, I didn't answer this out loud, but in my spirit, I said, sure, I'll pay for other people to go. I was making six figures at that point with my company. I said, I'll pay for missionaries to go. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not the question I asked you. I said, if I called you, would you come? And I was like, really open-minded and said, I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so for like three weeks, that question would not lift every single day. I would hear this question somewhere throughout the day. If I called you, would you come? And now I know it was the spirit of God, but I didn't understand again back then how the Lord speaks to us. But I did know that something was stirring within me. And and finally, after like three weeks, I just kind of like in my desperation, I opened myself up to the Lord and I said, are you asking? And then that was silent. No, re no reply from the Lord. But I was having this internal dialogue with God. And I said, he said, if I called you, would you come? And I said, are you asking? And Brian, the answer to the question was in the question. He said, if I called you, like he was already calling me 
And, and so at this point I was like, okay, like, what does this even look like then? If I called you, would you come? So you're calling me, what do you want me to do? And so then I began this journey, like in my, in my city where I was, I began to ask my neighbors to come to my house, people I worked with. I was like, Hey, do you guys want to do a Bible study? I, I began to call people like, Hey, like we need to go, like, you guys need to hear about Jesus. We would go to these Bible studies that were like late at night or these revival meetings. And so this hunger was produced within me. And then I also was inviting other people. Well, that actually was a part of the story. I was not because I was a sales manager for this company that actually wasn't allowed apparently. Um, but I could, you know, it was kind of an irony because I, they were all college age students. And so I was their sales manager. I'd started when I was in college and then continued through this is like my 12th or 13th year of the company at that point. And so I had really had a, a lot of accolades. I did really well in the company. But uh, I really was on fire for the kingdom. And so I, and again, I didn't know it was the kingdom. I just wanted to see Jesus glorified. I want to see people encounter him. But uh, I got written up a few times because uh, I would invite people and and people would, it just, it, the long and the short of the short, the long and the short of the story was I needed to give up that job. And, and it was the, you know, it was, I was making over six figures. It was like an incredible opportunity. I had worked up, it was my family. I love the people that I worked with. But at that point, the Lord said, if I called you, would you come? And, and he was talking about missions and he was talking about long-term. And, and if I backtrack, this is how the story comes to play. This was in 2005. In 1999, I had been to Thailand. I had been on a business trip with a, uh, with, well, it wasn't a business trip. It was like an incentive trip, but it was with the company that I had been with at the time. And they were, uh, they would never have gone there had they known that this is what happened. But the city we ended up in, which is the city I'm in now, which is um, actually known as one of the worst cities, used to be known as one of the worst cities in Asia for prostitution, trafficking, and child exploitation. And they didn't know that. They never would have sent us there. It was just a vacation town. But uh, what happened is I had had an encounter with the Lord. They're so radical. Uh, I, I couldn't sleep the entire night. We ended up in a place that looked like a, it was like, it was a brothel. We didn't know it. There was kids there, young women, at least, that were getting um, uh, propositioned in this place. There was lap dancing. It was terrible. And so uh, we got our team out of there, but uh, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop crying the entire night. I said, somebody has got to do something about this. And in that journey from 99 until 05, the Lord's like, I did do something. I created you. And I'm like, how can I stop this? And what I found out later, the trafficking organizations estimated that 27,000 women and children were sold every night in that city in low season. That's in low tourist season and 45,000 in high tourist season. Now a that was a night. That's a transaction per night. Wow. Yeah. Now, anti, now this is powerful. Since the pandemic, praise God, we've been praying for this. It's almost gone down to zero. Praise, I mean, at least for seasons, it wasn't available. There was no tourists to come in. There was no product. There was no, there was no buyers, right? Without a, the, the supply, you can't have a demand. Without a demand, you can't have a supply, right? So all wow. of that stopped, uh, at least for a season. And so praise God, we're just seeing like the Lord just transform the city. Um, it's The beaches are all cleaned up. They're doing family events. Like it's completely turned around. But wow. uh, yeah, this was 99. Now it's two, this was 2005 when I got called, right? When I had this incredible encounter and I was like, well, I got to go back to Thailand. Well, the Lord's like, well, you need to work on you, which is true because I didn't know what I was doing. So I went to YWAM and that's another part of the story, but I went to YWAM for three years in Argentina, 
did an incredible time of DTS down there, which is discipleship training. And then I got equipped because mm. I had second level schools. And then I worked in a ministry called Mercy Ministry. And that was amazing. And I shout out to my Corrientes team. Me, me encanta ellos. I love my team down there. And they saw the call on my life and they, and I, it, it took a while. They had to kind of refine some things. And then I was sent to, and then I was sent to Thailand and I was sent to Thailand in 2009 and I've been here since 2009. So that, wow. uh, and that journey, I started with youth with a mission with an organization that's incredible, uh, uh, there in Bangkok. And then I went up to Chiang Mai. I was working with some school, uh, a school project there that was not with YWAM. I, I took a hiatus and I, I left YWAM uh, because I needed to do education and YWAM doesn't do institutional type ministry where they do schools, but that's what God wanted us to do. Because when I was there in, 90, in 99, I saw these kids on the beach at like 11 in the afternoon and 12. I'm like, what are they doing? They need to be in school. And because school, remember school had been the thing that had helped set me apart. I knew now uh, that kids in school need to know their identity, their authority, and then their destiny. And so that yeah. what, that's what we do now. We equip, educate, and empower kids when they know who's when they know who's they are, when they know who they are, they know who's they are, they know what they have. When they know what they have, they know what they can do. So we educate. Oh, can you say that again? Can you say that yeah. again? When you know whose you are, you know who you are, right? And if you know who you are, you know what you have. And if you know what you have, then you know what you can do. So we educate uh, children in their identity, we equip them in their authority, and we empower them into their destiny. So, so good. that's yeah, that's the whole gospel message right there. Uh, and God actually did that uh, years previously. He said this to me, and it's actually on our shirts. I'll just tell you what it says, but it's on our shirts. Nice. We'll get them if you guys, I'll send one to you. But it says Thank this, you. it says radical, yeah. Definitely. Radical love transforms a child. A transformed child transforms a family. A transformed family transforms a city and a transformed city transforms a nation. So the child transforms your steps to revival right there. Exactly. And the city transforms a nation. And so wow. that's what happens when, when we get radically transformed, when revival comes to us, then it can come through us. Right. Wow. And that's what happens. It, my whole story is about revival. Like I had to get radically set free. Then my family got transformed. Then my family transformed and then my city can get transformed. Right. Uh, and mm. then and then the city transforms and the nation gets transformed. And that's really our heart. We're called Radical Love Asia. We're not we're not going to be Radical Love Global. We're uh, we're actually opening a division in the United States right now. So wow, we really. On. Yeah, yeah, we 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 actually have two school projects that we're working with in America, and two school projects too that we helped to launch here. And so uh, God is doing something transformational. Or actually, so there's still one in America, but there's vision to start others in America. Sorry, but there's a third school happening here in Thailand, actually, through the Thai government. And the Thai government is actually partnering. We get to consult with the Thai government, and they're opening the doors to a school. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's all Jesus. Like all of these things are incredible, yeah. but it's because we didn't let up on the end vision, which is he said that we're to make transformation. And he started with schools and he started with education. And so, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, to, to kind of summarize, like you can see, there's just the big picture is I said yes. And then I kept saying yes. <laughs> and I kept mm -hmm. saying yes. But I had to have people along the way that were loving enough to continue to walk into the journey and say, Amy, there's more and you need to know whose you are. And that's what Amen. happened to me. Amen. I, I, wow, that just, that testimony really uh, confirms my belief in, uh, in how education both 
you know, in the world education um, and spiritual education, you know, uh, getting into the word and, and really pressing deep into that relationship with the Lord, um, how that can really affect and transform a person. You know, you hear all these statistics about how, you know, um, the, uh, the majority of people who are involved in crime and violence and sexual exploitation and all the negative things, the majority of them don't have a solid background in education. Um, and it, and so I think the importance of education is, is so good. Um, and especially the, the importance of education with also an added spiritual education and spiritual background as well. Yeah. So Can I uh, that's, that's this? What you're talking about is really how we share this. Now you can't see this particularly wonderful, but it's a cycle. So oh, okay. in, unless the cycle is broken, yeah, they just continue to live it out. It's it's actually the nature of uh, generational curses. Mm -hmm. Like you can say it that way because you had oh. it from your family line. It, does, it just keeps going until it's broken, right? And so mm -hmm. what I wrote on here is there's three ways to break it. One of them is education. They get educated in the fact that that's not, that's not who they are, right? It's right. There, there's another opportunity for them. The second one is relationships. They, they meet with people who, who don't live that way. And they're like, wow, this looks so different. Big brothers, big sisters is a great example, right? When you're living yeah. for king purposes, right? And then the last one is opportunity. And that could be a job or a scholarship or something that they feel like poured into. They feel their value. They feel like they're known and loved um, because of somebody from the outside, maybe that they don't know or they're not seeing every day, but they're given an opportunity to step out. And they, because internally, all of us, all of us have the gospel written on our hearts, all of us. Amen. Now, to become a child of God, we have to say yes, because God's already ordained for all of us to become children right? That's, that's how we're created. But we have to say, yes, this just like, I just want to enter into this. And so that's what mm. part of this, that's what breaking the cycle is all about. We have to be willing to say yes. And so, yeah, we talk about those three things too. So yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. Breaking the cycle um, is the first step to revival. Um, the first step to, to living a radical life for Jesus. And um, man, this is, this is so awesome. Um, uh, because of because of time, I think we're going to um, kind of uh, leave it there. But man, what what we just talked about, what you just talked about in our conversation there and your testimony, um, really embodies what it means to live a radical life for Jesus and to really say yes to the call and just to follow it, even though um, you're going to uh, face a lot of setbacks, a lot of you know this and that and um and troubles being a christian it's not going to be easy right saying yes to the call is not going to be easy but it's so well worth it and i think you can agree with that right yeah he'll never leave he'll never stop loving yeah thank you so much brian and I know casey and we just we just speak life over casey even right now too that he would be completely set free completely transformed Amen. anything that's coming against him right now in his body it has no authority he's in a new bloodline and no curse gets to the bloodline of jesus come on I just speak life over him yeah come on uh, well thank you so much amy for being on tonight uh before we go can you just say a a word a, a prayer over the over the live stream and over our listeners um so that they can leave encouraged and um and leave blessed in jesus name yeah i would be honored Whoo! thank you jesus 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your presence today. Thank you that you've been here. Thank you that you're instrumental in every part of this, Lord God. Thank you that you've set up the live stream, Father God, that you've you've given wisdom and ideas, even, Lord, for the internet, that you make this even possible, God. Thank you for the cameras and the microphones. Thank you for the team of people that are behind this, Lord Jesus, for the followers. Thank you for Brian's parents, God. Thank you for the listeners, Lord. Thank you for every person that would have an encounter, uh, uh, Lord, that desires to have an encounter with you, Lord, that they'd meet you and see you in this place. That it wasn't by accident that they stumbled on this podcast, but God, even even after today, Lord, we know that this is gonna this is gonna send ripple effects into eternity because when when the word is sent out, Lord Jesus, that it, it actually sound waves never stop until they're interrupted. And so we speak life right now that these words would go forward in Jesus' name. That every person that's listening would have a would be radically touched right now in Jesus' name. In fact, I'm just seeing like physical sickness right now uh, in Jesus name. We're just we're commanding right now physical sickness. I see like stomach issues and back issues right now. We're just speak life right now over those stomach issues, even any allergic reactions right now. We just take authority over those in Jesus name that you would be set free, that shame and guilt and condemnation would no longer come over you. In fact, you would be set free. In fact, families, family lines where the, where the, where the female has been um, dominant over the fathers in Jesus name. I just begin to speak those godly roles put back in order in Jesus name right now, that husbands would be raised up to love their wives as Jesus loved the church, that women would honor their husbands. Father God, I just begin to speak that over these, over this right now, this message, God, that we've been set free so that we would be kingdom carriers in Jesus name, that iron would sharpen iron. Lord, that just like in the Beginning, going back to the very beginning in the garden, when when Adam and his wife were there, she wasn't even Eve yet. She wasn't even named. It was just that she was she was the the wife of of Adam. It was it was uh, Ish and and Aish, I think it is. And and Father God, they were meant to be one. They were meant to be unified. And so, Father, I pray that unity in the body of Christ right now, even in relationships, Lord. I just speak that over this phone call right now, this this podcast, Jesus, that relationships will be one as you and the Father are one. And Lord, out. Out of those relationships, God would come the fruit of um, of children. It would come the fruit of family. It would come the fruit of revival, Father. That Lord, if we could just get in alignment with ourselves, Lord, miracles could happen. So, Lord, I just pray mm-hmm. that we would be unified as people individually, and then we'd be then we'd be come into relationships where husbands and wives would begin to just inspire one another, encourage one another for the more. And anyone who's in retirement right now, I just said the, I heard the Lord cancel, put a line through it, and put refire. In Jesus' name, mm, He's come on. bringing you into a newness of life, so that you can actually bring the kingdom come where you are on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord Jesus, I just say thank you and amen for what you have next. Thank you for for life, and I just speak um, hope. I speak healing. I speak love. I speak refreshing and that that they would walk in the anointing, just like the miracles and, and the encounters that we're seeing here in Thailand, Lord, thousands of lives came into the came into the kingdom just this week, Lord. Father, we uh, we see that that you had in Pechaboom, Father God, you had 1,200 people baptized in one day in Thailand. God, I wow. thank you. Come revival, on. Father God, that's happening in Korat right now. Father God, through Bright Romance, Jesus, we just say thank you, God, for the revival, Lord, that's happening there. God, hundreds of people came to the Lord in two days. And Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you're doing a brand new work in, in our nation, Lord, that used to be less than 1% Christian, God, that mm. uh, like the 
007s, God, they're coming out. The, uh, they're coming out, God, and that we would be known as a nation that the Lord has blessed. And so I say thank you for the families that are listening, for the nations on, on this call that, that, that maybe they're the minority in their nation, that there's actually a majority erupting under the surface because we are all seeking and wanting to know the truth of God. We love you. We worship you. We thank you, Jesus, that you're with us and you hear these prayers and you answer them. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray these. Amen. 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 Guys, if you loved uh, hearing Amy's testimony and the conversation we had today, just throw a heart emoji into the chat right now. Um, thank you, Amy, for uh, this wonderful time and this wonderful conversation. I know that you're already going to be back on this podcast soon um, for another conversation. Um uh, and maybe talk up more about, about what's happening in Thailand specifically. But man, I know people were blessed by the conversation. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for accepting the invitation to be on. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again. All right. Amen. Thank you so much, Brian. Yes. Look forward to it. Thank you for all, all right. the comments in the chat too. I love you. All right. Uh, well, Thank you guys for tuning in to the Reflecting Podcast. Again, I'm Brian. This was Amy Brock Devine all the way from Thailand. It's like nine o'clock in the morning over there right now. And so uh, just say thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts and we will catch you in two more weeks. All right, bye guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed this content and that it touched you in some way. Please leave a review. All feedback is good feedback and we will see you next week.